Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, If you're on our mailing list, uh, you should have received a letter from the church this week, a very important letter, uh, announcing the exciting project in front of us, the rebuilding of our crumbling parking lot. All right, so I know that one of the things that you love about this fellowship is that we hardly ever talk about money, right? And you love that, and that's one of our values. We believe that God pays for what he orders, so that if we have to beg people for stuff, we're probably beyond the scope of God's plan for ourselves. Uh, There are times where we feel like it's right to come in front of you for big projects. This is the third time in 22 years we've done that. So I guess it'd be hard to call us a church that always talks about money, right? The first time was when we bought this property many years ago and built this building. The second time was when we needed to build on the offices on the wing there so our staff could have places to work instead of... We actually worked in Sunday school classrooms and my office was that closet... Uh, and you were gracious to respond to that. And uh, now it's time for us to, uh, to uh, build a parking lot, rebuild our parking lot. You probably don't have to be an expert in the field to see that it needs some help, right? The truth is that we need to raise an additional $160,000 toward a $200,000 rebuild and resurface of the parking lot. Uh, it's a $200,000 project. Uh, people have already been giving to it graciously. Thank you very much. They've already we've already accumulated forty thousand. So, Pat, you're on the hook for one hundred and sixty. You're good, right? Take visa. Yeah, no, we don't actually. We're de- all about Dave Ramsey and debt free here. Which brings up another point that we will not borrow money to build this parking lot. Just so you know, okay? Won't do it uh, because I really believe God's going to bless us and release what it is that we need to get this done. I think, you know, if you're thinking about why is this a big deal, and I I think there are a few reasons. First, we want to be good stewards of what God's given us, yeah? I mean, this is God's place. It's not fancy. It's it's hyper-functional. You know, it gets used seven days a week for stuff, and um, we want to be good stewards with what God has given us. And the building, of course, has been kept up real nicely, and we've uh, just come to the place where our parking lot needs our attention. Uh, The second reason I think you want to be a part of this is so that no one else falls in one of the holes and fractures their ankle like someone did last Sunday. I know, and the worst part is that she's one of the people I like. And so, you know, so we need to be a part of this, uh, but there are holes out there just waiting for a misstep. And uh, we want to take care of those, of course. Um, but I think maybe the biggest reason to think about being a part of, of this is because, you know, this is where it starts. This property is where it starts. It's not where it finishes. I mean, we do a lot of stuff in here. We have literally recovery groups and ministry groups and all kinds of stuff going on every day of the week here. So seven days a week, there's stuff going on in this place. But that's just the beginning. Because if you think about the way God has used us over the years to launch another fellowship in Madison County, launch another fellowship in Franklinton, the way that we've been able to be a blessing in different parts of this country on the missions teams that have grown and developed over the years, and around the world, 
in Brazil, in Nicaragua, in India, that there are people in India right now who are alive, literally alive, because of you, because you dug a well for them and their babies didn't die. And, and so we're just, it's so exciting to be a part of a fellowship like this, isn't it? And so what I want you to think about is that parking lot, sure, it's a place that holds our cars, but it's also a launch pad. It's a launching pad for so many things that are happening nearby and far away. And we're constantly sending up rockets. Well, turns out we've worn out the launch pad, <laughs> sending up the rockets, so we need a new launch pad. So I'd like for you to join me in prayer and and seeking God for the release of these needed funds over the next 30 days. Uh, we're going to have a special offering, as I mentioned in the letter, uh, on Sunday, May 17th, just about a month from now. Um, and on that day, all of the offering that comes in that day, uh, designated or not, all of the o- designated for the parking lot or not, all of the offering will go to this project of rebuilding the parking lot. Um, You may also give toward this at any time between now and then if you're not going to be there on May 17th or you just want to go ahead and do it. Um, In the letter, you you should have received an envelope that looks like this, which you could mail back into the church or drop it in any offering between now and the 17th. Um, You could... uh, Use a check and write down the memo, parking lot, all right, that'd be all right. Uh, You could get your own envelope and put parking lot on the outside. Uh, You could wrap it in masking tape and, you know, $100 bills in masking tape and just write parking lot on the outside. You could put it in a mason jar with so pretty much any way that you can get it to us that says parking lot, that's where it's going to go. Is that making sense? All right, and you can put that in any, any offering between now and May 17th, but we just wanted you to know that I believe, I believe that on May 17th this job will be done. I really do. Uh, it's a strange, odd confidence because that's a ton of money for working folks like y'all. I get that appreciate that. But I believe that God is going to release that. It's already started to do that. So we're not going to badger you for it. Um, I'd just like to ask, ask you to do a few things with me. Just Number one, just start by praying about it with me, would you? If you haven't already. Start by praying. Lord, we need a new launch pad. Just pray. Um, second, I'd like for you to envision it. I mean, what would that look like out there? If that was done, just think about it. Just see it. Just kind of see it done, if you will. And then the third thing I want you to do is just listen and obey. We're not going to send out charts about who should give this amount. <laughs> just listen. Listen to God. And just obey whatever stirring that you're getting about it now. Okay? Will you do those three things with me? Okay. I thought it might be fun for us just to do some envisioning this morning. And just let's just all look at this launch pad, this little launch pad here with its cracks and crevices and, and places where people fall down and break their ankles and stuff. And let's just envision for a moment what it would be like, what it will be like when God answers this prayer.
That's better, isn't it? Should you get your checkbooks out now? <laughs> well, today we're going to continue in our consideration of worship in the Worship 101 series. I'm going to try and follow the amazing job that Amy Dalton did last week. Yikes. I did ask her if she'd like to do it again this week, and she said, ah, no. And so we're just so grateful for her faithfulness and anointing and everything that God just spoke through her is amazing. Uh, But I'd like to continue today by talking about uh, worship uh, just for the pleasure of it. Just for the pleasure of worship. I want to unpack that thought for you that a valid motivation for engaging in the worship of God is just because it's enjoyable. Just because it's fun, if you will. That's a valid motivation for worshiping God, which I'll try to show you from Scriptures in a minute. Now, you know, I am going to say that while we talk about worship in this series, we are mostly talking about this you know, small bit of time that we have in the week where we come together and we sing our songs and we dance our dance and we jump up and down and stuff like that, you know, when we get our, when we get our Jesus on, you know? When we, we just, uh, I call it prayer aerobics, you know, when we just get going. And so we are talking about that gathered assembly. We are talking about moving into the presence of God through music and the Word of God. We are talking about that. That's why we, churches tend to call these, uh, these things a worship service because that's what, all about worship. But I think many, many of you know that there's so much more to worship than what we do for you know an hour or so here on Sunday mornings, right? So much more. And uh, I've got some really good news for some of you. Um, some of you, you come and you, you know, there's certain aspects of the worship service that you engage in, but it's not so much the musical part. And I've got really, really good news for you that on May 3rd, on May 3rd, two weeks from now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring a message, I'm going to bring a teaching that will deal with that and show you the ways that you are equipped to worship so that you don't have to stand there feeling bad about yourself any longer. All right? I'm going to validate who you are as a worshiper, even if you're not a foot-stomping, singing, arm-swinging kind of person. I'm going to validate who you are as a worshiper, and in fact, we're going to put those foot-stompers in their place. The Lord has given me one bullet in that gun that you're going to just feel some relief when I fire it, okay? But I just want to validate this, you know, that not everybody in the room is here saying, hey, teach us how to jump up and down more. That you're not there. And maybe you'll never be there. And maybe there's a reason for that that's a good reason and a valid reason. So I hope I have your interest for May 3rd. But today we're going to be in... Revelation chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Revelation is way to the back of your Bible. I'm going to read uh, one chapter. It's 11 verses long, and then we're going to focus on one of the verses. 
Revelation is a record of something that happened in the Apostle John's life, that God showed him things that were unique, that were powerful, that were important. And in this chapter here, he's showing, uh, showing about a vision that he saw. That it's a vision that John was taken up into heaven and shown a piece of heaven, and that he then was commanded to write it down. And there's power in it. See if this doesn't look enjoyable. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit. So he was in the Spirit. He was having a spiritual vision. And there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. A rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. And they were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. Does this sound cool or what? In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back, and the first living creature was like a lion, the second was like an ox, the third had a face like a man, the fourth was like a flying eagle, and each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. And day and night they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit to come. What a day that must have been for John to see that. And now we invite you to come and revive it, refresh it, reconstitute the power of it in front of us so that to whatever degree we're ready to see things, Lord, you'd show us and draw us into greater places of worship according to each of our own unique designs and draw us to your table of pleasure. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So this context for this chapter I read for you. This is a true vision from God, and it kind of sits apart a little bit from the flow of prophetic revelation that comes. It's part of it. It's an integral part of it, but it kind of it sets all by itself, in a sense. What I love about that is I, I take a preterist view of the book of Revelation, and you tribulationists and millennialists and you people who, God bless you, don't know what any of that stuff means... You tolerate me because you love me. As a preterist, you have to. It's in the Word. Uh, But in any case, um, somehow I thought that would be entirely more funny than it came out to be. But 
Um, it says pause for laughter. <laughs> what I'm saying is this verse, this chapter 4, brings everybody together. Regardless of what your view of the revelation is, your view of matters of eschatology, whatever place you have found in understanding the flow of things and the relative level of importance of these things to you, everybody comes together, chapter 4, because it's a vision of God. And everybody's just worshiping Him. And I love that. I love that about this. But I'd like us to focus in on chapter 4, verse 11. And if you can read it, maybe you'll read it aloud with me. Let's go. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. I've chosen to use the King James translation of this, which is a little bit rare for me because I think it's actually a more accurate rendering of the original language, and it makes a statement that the other translations seem to fail, where it says that, it says, uh, uh, for thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. So that's worship, right? For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure, and for thy pleasure they are created. That we are created for the pleasure of God. And the point that I want you to get hold of today is that if you were created for the pleasure of God, then your experience with God will be a pleasurable one. Will be a pleasurable one. Because we are created for His pleasure. And because God is good, because God is holy and righteous and true and just and perfect then what he creates for his pleasure will have a pleasurable experience in the process of being his pleasure. Does that make sense? Okay, so when I was a kid growing up in California, one of the things I loved to do is get a magnifying glass and go out and find an anthill. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? I knew you would. And you just, you just focus that thing in on those poor little creatures and they come out, ah, fire! And they come out, right? Oh, that's fun. Another thing I loved to do as a kid growing up in California was every morning there'd be like snails all around crawling on the patio and up the window and stuff like that. I love to take a salt shaker and go out and put salt on those things. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because they go, I'm melting! Oh, I know. They dissolve. It was fun. I had great pleasure. I was a kid. We didn't have these things. We used salt shakers. <laughs> magnifying glass. But that was pleasure for me. That was fun. Want to know why it was fun for me? Because I'm evil. <laughs> I'm broken. I came this way. And I fetched up in a household that that was okay. Knock yourself out. <laughs> I'm evil. And so my sense of pleasure was found in these kinds of things. Now, God is not evil. God is perfect. God is holy and righteous and true and just. And so whatever is going to bring him pleasure, whatever he creates for his pleasure, is not going to be motivated by this kind of thing at all that the objects that he created for his pleasure are going to experience pleasure 
in the, in the process of experiencing him. Are you with me? So since worship, here we go, since worship is the act of coming together and drawing near to God, it ought to be a pleasurable experience. Because thou art worthy, O Lord. Isn't this the song we sing in one form or another all the time? You're worthy, you're wonderful, your glory, your power. And he goes, my creation has come to worship me. I created them for my pleasure. And in the act of coming to worship, we ought to be experiencing pleasure so that pleasure, the pleasure of worship, is a valid motivation in and of itself to worship. Just because it's fun. That's a valid motivation. You know, when you read Genesis 1 and 2 and you read about the creation account, and of course there are all kinds of ways to walk away from that and have some idea of how it would figure into everything else we know or think we know these days, um, you know, as far as the age of the earth and stuff. Uh, I, I hope that whatever, whatever sort of camp you're in on that, um, I hope that you come away not missing the big point. Which, you know, is that God created you for his pleasure. That God created us for each other. It's not good that man should be alone, he said, right in the mix. Right? And that God created us to be recipients of his pleasure. Because he finished and he said, I made all this for you. This is the garden. You know, and again, however you come away from that, don't miss the point. I made all this for you. It's the garden. Go. Enjoy. I give you dominion over all of it. Go. Take good care of it. Go. Enjoy. So I hope you come away from that, knowing that from the very beginning of the Bible that God made you for his pleasure and to experience his pleasure. But that sin has come into the world, Genesis chapter 3, and has interrupted the pleasure. So that our pleasure center, if you will, has been corrupted, like your hard drive has been corrupted. And we are, it, we are now compelled to seek pleasure in places that are not equipped to give us the kinds of pleasure for which we were created. So we were created with a, a definite pleasure center for God. He says, enjoy me. I'll be back every night. I'm here all week. Enjoy me. <laughs> and then sin came, and man was ashamed and took off. And so the pleasure center was corrupted, so now we spend so much of our time, we still have an insatiable need for pleasure, because we're still created that way, but it's broken. And so we're looking for pleasure in the ways that the world offers, but these places of pleasure are not really equipped to feed us in the way we were created. Does that make sense? And so that the worldly pleasures, some of which seem fairly benign, but many of which they don't give us life. They take life from us. They extract our lives, don't they? But the pleasures of God give us life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. So the encounter with God and the pleasure of God 
gives us life. The pleasures of the world come with a price tag, don't they? The pleasures of God, the price is paid on the cross. Jesus paid it, it's finished. He said, I did this for you. And he said in Ephesians 1, now you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's pleasure. That's the pleasure of God, and it gives life. Is anybody home? Okay. So I want you to think about how sin came into the world and knocked us out of our place in the created order. We're intended for dominion. We're intended for pleasure. Intended for the garden. Sin came in, knocked us out of our place in the created order. I know I've said this before. I'll say it not only go to the grave, but part of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ on the cross is to restore us to our place in the, in the, in the created order. That includes restoring our pleasure center so that our deepest pleasure is God. Our deepest pleasure are the things of God. Has it, have any of you noticed how you've begun to fall in love with the weird people in this room? That's God. That's God. That's God at work, restoring your pleasure center, that we can now find a level of pleasure in one another in spite of all of our weakness, our fumblings and stumblings. Yeah? So part of the redemptive work of Christ on the cross is to restore our pleasure center and maximize our sense of true pleasure. I think that's part of why we have so much fun around here. It's part of my very understanding of God is that it's meant to be fun. It's meant to be pleasurable. It's what God had in mind from the beginning. I've read the Bible. It's what he had in mind from the beginning. It's restored in Christ. And we are called the chosen, not the frozen. So wake up and move, right? Come on. Thaw out already. Worship is part of the pleasure sequence of our lives, just for the pleasure of it. We're created for pleasure. And there are a lot of things that we do in life that are just for the fun of it, right? Just for the pleasure of it. I mean, why do you snow ski? Why do you do that? Why do you water ski? Why do you grab onto a tube 40 feet behind a boat and go, Faster! Why do we do that? Why do we do do go whitewater rafting to get from A to B? No, because it's fun! Thank you! Just for the... There's no practical purpose. Why do we go to amusement parks and sporting events? Because it's Fun! Many of the meals we eat, we eat just for the pleasure of it, right? I mean, I think we should try to take some care in our food, but come on, can we talk? The foods I like the best are the ones that are the worst for my body, right? I eat them anyway because it's fun. I learned to fly an airplane 15 years ago for fun. I went through all the training and all the learning, soloing, and yep, sir, I can do it, and there we go. That was 15 years ago. I have yet to go anywhere. <laughs> I, I haven't gone anywhere yet. 
and go over to Bolton Field and you'll say, I don't know, is 716 available? Yeah, okay, let's sign it off and off we go. I rent the plane and put around with my best girlfriend. Karen, just to clarify. Fly up to Bluffton. Ooh, I know. Why do we go to Bluffton? Because there's a little restaurant right on the end of the runway. You, know, you can park the plane and you can walk over. You can have something to eat, get back in the plane and come back to Bolton. Coming in. All right. Boom, 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 boom. All right, here we are. Why did we do that? Because it's fun. It's pleasurable. Some of the things we do, we do just for the pleasure of doing it. Psalm 1611 says this. You have made known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. This is God. Don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. Psalmist is saying, Man, whenever I draw near to you, you fill me up with joy. And what's that with the stuff at your right hand? What, what's that with that pile of pleasures that you always have for me? This is meant to be the characterization of our worship. Authentic worship offers us the purest and most life-giving forms of true pleasure. So as we draw near to God in worship, then we also pull up to the table of pleasures that are always at His right hand. So experiencing the pleasures of God becomes a valid motivation for our worship. Just because we love it. That's something that John Piper daringly calls Christian hedonism in his books. If you haven't read any of John Piper's stuff, you owe it to yourself to do that. It's the pleasure of worship. Pleasure of worship, it's, it's fun, it's pleasure, it's both ecstatic and sublime in its nature. And I realize that not everyone here has come to the place of experiencing the pleasure of worship that you want to, but you haven't found your way into the pleasure of worship. And I validate you. I acknowledge you. I love you. But I I want you to think of it this way. I want you to trust me. Trust me that there is pleasure to be had in worship. Even if you haven't found it yet. I want you to know there's a sweet spot for us all. And just because you haven't got there, for whatever reasons doesn't mean it's not there, right? I get that. And uh, you got people kind of on one side calling over saying, it's so fun over here. And I I even acknowledge that it can be frustrating for you going, I want to get there, but I don't know how. Well, it just starts by acknowledging that there is fun to be had over there. There's pleasure to be had in worship. I think the best illustration I can think of for this is is smoking cigarettes. There are two kinds of people in this room. There are people who have or do smoke, and there are people who never have. And you people who never have cannot imagine the pleasure attached to this vile habit. Now, before you start twittering people that, yeah, I'm saying we can smoke now. I do not recommend you smoke. Bad for our bodies. I recommend if you are smoking and want to get free, come to CR on Wednesday nights and start your process of getting free. I recommend all that. I don't judge you if you smoke. 
In fact, possibly I might be a little jealous. Now, I've heard about this smoking thing, and I've heard that there's pleasure involved in it. I've, I've heard that in spite of the fact, you know, you take this cigarette thing and you put it up to your mouth and then you light a fire four inches from your face. What could go wrong here, right? I've heard that when you take a puff, is it, is it called a drag? I don't know. I think they call it a drag. I don't know. You have to check with somebody. I Googled some of this stuff. and Yeah. You take a drag, and there's just something about the way that noxious fumes coming down into your lungs, depositing itty-bitty elements of tar everywhere it goes. Back off, right? But there's something happening when that nicotine crosses over the membrane of the alveoli there, and it goes into your bloodstream. I Googled this, and it's like there's some kind of sublime pleasure in that. There's some kind of pleasure I Googled of going out on the porch after a big meal. And <laughs> finally, you awake. Finally. After all these years, Justin, you Wow. Going out... <laughs> Going out on the porch after a big meal and lighting that baby up. And the article I read said it, the, you can watch the smoke kind of curl around the end of this thing and kind of go up into the... And you just, apparently you just hold it up to your mouth. Take a drag and every once in a while I read you could cheat a little and you kind of hold it for just a second. Then let her go, and you get a little more pleasure. Uh, I don't know, but I have heard that. <laughs> right? I, I asked around and see how this works. And my, my best source of information turned out to be one of my staff members. I would never tell you their name, but their initials are Tiffany Sorensen, and... <laughs> I say something wrong? So there's, there are some people in this room who know exactly what I'm talking about. Don't raise your hand. There are others in this room going, how on earth could you put one of those nasty things up to your face and set fire to it? I tried it once and I just spit and coughed and then I was sick to my stomach. You just didn't do it long enough. There's some, just because you haven't had the pleasure of it doesn't mean that there isn't pleasure, right? It's just an illustration. Another one that you might more readily relate to is a concession that I have to make to all y'all. For many years, I've been hearing about this profound pleasure that so many of you have experienced in your life. On and on, you've gone on about this pleasure, and it has never been my particular opportunity to enjoy this pleasure until yesterday. That after 30 years of living in Ohio, 
Karen and I finally had the profound pleasure We won! (laughs) So all this time I've been hearing about this pleasure that you've been talking about. And going, yeah, whatever. Until I got just at the edge of that tunnel. And uh, saw that sea of red out there. And stepped into it. And I had myself an experience. So from the bottom of my heart, for the first time in my life, I would like to say, Go Bucks! (laughs) Now I know what you're talking about. There's a pleasure in worship, ladies and gentlemen. There is a pleasure in worship. That just because you haven't experienced it yet doesn't mean it's not there. And it begins by believing and knowing from the Scriptures that it's there. God said, I've got pleasures for you at my right hand. I want to close quickly with seven pleasures of worship. I do not consider them to be the seven pleasures of worship. There are probably 77, but these are seven. First, there is the pleasure of pure emotion. Just the pleasure of pure emotion. I rightly referenced last week that we are not into emotionalism or emotional manipulation. We're really not. We get excited. It's authentic. It's the real deal. Nothing in our notes says jump here. Um, It just happens. And that's because we are created as emotional beings. We have emotions. And we experience emotions in a thousand ways every day. And the most purest and wonderful way, most pure and wonderful way to experience emotion is in the company of God, who will give you a joy unspeakable and full of glory. There are joys in your presence, he said. There's joy, and you fill me with joy in your presence. Jesus said, I've come that you might have joy. I give you my joy, he says, so that we can have joy. And I think the purest emotion that I could ever use as an example is in a baby's laugh. You know, when a baby laughs, that's such a pure, unspoiled joy and, and emotion, isn't it? There's no, they don't have the other stuff built up to be weighing on it one way or another. It's just a laugh. Our most recent grandson, Solomon Daniel, thinks that my wife Karen is hilarious. And so every time she picks him up, he just does this thing that looks just about like that and it's hilarious and you can tell it's just a pure emotion and I was reflecting on this and it's why is it with Karen and not so much with anyone else she walks in the room and he spots her and he, <laughs> off he goes and I think it's because Karen she exudes an atmosphere of safety if you know Karen you know this is true she's rugged man she's rugged but you're safe with her. You're safe with her. She's got your back. And that's when you can express the greatest emotion is when you feel safe. Are you safe in the company of God? Yes, you are. Let your emotion go. Let it go. Let it be expressed. 
I think the second one, uh, pleasure is the pleasure of catharsis. And catharsis, really, this word just means emptying. This deep emptying. You notice how stuff just gets bottled up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You carry in the weight of the world and you just keep... Have to, I deal with that later and stuff it, stuff it, stuff it, and put it in there, and the, 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 the bag starts to get really full, and the seams start to rip out. Who knows what I'm talking about? Worship is meant to just say, God, here I am, blah. Read through the blah Psalms in the Bible, you know? There is like, oh, Lord, why have you forsaken me? Why have you poured out your wrath upon me? Which is Hebrew for my life sucks right now, and it, just get it out there. Just get it out. Lay it out. Lay it out before the Lord. There's the pleasure of solace. You know, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Can you imagine just having the hand of the Lord on your shoulder? Sometimes you just need solace, don't you? Comfort. This is a pleasure. There is the pleasure of provision that God provides for us. We can get all worked up about how we're going to do this and how we're going to do that. But I'll tell you what, when I'm in the company of believers worshiping God, all I can hear is, you know, that my God shall meet all of my needs according to His glories, or riches and glory by Christ Jesus, that if I seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, He'll give me everything I need, that I've never seen the righteous begging bread. Or, you know what I'm talking about? These scriptures just come flooding into my mind, and I know that whatever I'm facing, God... God has it in provision. There's the pleasure of protection. Worship means to get us behind the big gun. The pleasure of protection. To get behind the big gun. There's a lot of scary stuff out there, isn't there? A lot of scary stuff. We feel threatened. We feel attacked. Get behind the big gun. There's the pleasure of getting behind the big gun with God. God, who is our protector. There's the pleasure of eternity. The pleasure of eternity. When you worship God, the weight of eternity shifts from you to Him. And so the weight of eternity on us feels like, I'm going to die. The clock's running. I'm going to die. What happens next? When we worship God in the context of His Son, Jesus Christ, all that's paid for. All of it's done. And so the weight of eternity shifts off of us onto God. It's an invitation then into eternity. And that's pleasurable and then my seventh one is the pleasure of acceptance. That God accepts us. Doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter what you've done this week, you come authentically to God in the name of Jesus, your place at His table never moved. You've got Him. You've got His attention. You've got His heart. And you can be welcomed back into His presence. I want you to know this. I want you to know these pleasures. I want you to experience these pleasures. There's got to be something on that list for you that makes worship enjoyable. But what I'm saying is worship, the pleasure of worship, is a valid motivation for worship. So, well, I feel kind of guilty. God made you for pleasure. Let Him feed your pleasure center with Himself. Because at the end of the day, I just want to say that worship is meant to enjoy. Just enjoy. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Let your heart sing. Let your body do what your body wants to do. Get to the next place. Last week, I guess I got to jumping in this service. You know why I jump? I jump because I think 
one of those times I'm going to fly. I jump. That's just a false takeoff every time I get going. And one of these times, don't miss it. One of these times I'm going to jump and not come back down. We jump because we cannot fly. <laughs> but just let yourself enjoy the pleasures, pleasures of, of God. Today, I'd like for us to focus on the pleasure of acceptance in our closing time. God accepts us as we are. He loves us as we are. It's a thing too great for us to explain in human terms. It's a thing that we mess up when we try to think of it backwards by how we love each other and the ways we do that. But God loves us. He says so over and over and over again. He made us for His pleasure. He's holy and righteous and perfect and just. And so, Father, we invite you into this place now to come and lead us in just a a few moments of of time at your table. We know there's room for all of us at your right side. I don't know how the geometry of that all works, Lord, but we know that there's room in infinite space at your right side where the pleasures are. We come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus. So we come confessing our need of a Savior, but feeling no shame for our sins, Lord. Thank you for making a way for releasing us from that into the pleasures of being your children again and the power for righteous living that comes from that. Release your power, I pray, Lord, into this room. Heal our sick. I pray that as we worship that our sick would be healed today in the name of Jesus. I pray for counsel for those who are in places of difficulty in their minds, troubles, decisions, anxieties, worries. Spirit of God, come. I pray for marriages, Lord, relationships that are in some kind of critical turmoil. The Spirit of God, come and show that with you there's always always hope God come we invite you into this room now Lord just to share in the pleasure with you in Jesus name Amen Church, could we stand together and could we have some prayer ministry people come on up and take your places at the sides so that if somebody would like to receive prayer for anything you could come and you can come up to these guys for prayer for anything for you know anything's on your mind maybe you're a person here today who has never really come to the lord and you're going i'm in this i'm something's going on inside me i can't even explain you'd like somebody to pray with you about that just come on up we'll give you a bible get you going but uh, these people are really up here for anything that's on your heart